All the authors of the New Testament basically have the same story. Whether it's Jesus, Peter, James, John, they're all saying the same thing. And it's a game changer. The New Testament is now a game changer. The New Testament is so different than the Old Testament. And there's something now that's supernaturally driving God's people. So here's what they all say. They all say basically the same thing. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now even if you've not been to church very much, and you've only been to like three masses of your life, or you went to a Christian college for like one semester, you know the do nots. We don't have to go over the do nots, do we? You know what the... Do I need to go over the do nots? Do you, do you know? Do you, I mean, three of you said, I got it. Maybe, I, maybe we do need to go over the do nots. I, I think we could, you know, even if you've not been to church, you could like make a list and get 18 or 20 do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness, don't covet your neighbor's jaguar. I mean, we all got that. We all know kind of, kind of the do nots. That's not our problem. Our problem is not that we do not know the do-nots. The problem is, how do we do not do the do-nots? That's our problem. That's our great challenge. How do we not do that? And, and so what, what they all say, Jesus, Peter, Paul, all of them, John, live by the Spirit. Now, that's your prerogative. That can drive you. And it, by the way... Let's just get this out on the table. You are driven by something. Everybody in the room is driven by something or someone. You're driven. You're driven by insecurity. You're driven by fear. All your decisions are about fear. You're driven because you don't like conflict, so you avoid conflict like the plague. Or you're driven because you love conflict. You love a good fight. You're driven by daddy issues. Daddy's been dead 12 years. But you're still driven by daddy issues. You're driven by mommy issues. Mommy doesn't even live in this state. But you're still driven by every day of your life. You wake up with mommy or daddy issues. You're driven by money. You're driven by greed. Or maybe you're driven by the good things that God talks about. But every one of us in this room and all 9 billion people on this planet today, we're all driven by something or someone. And all the authors of the New Testament are saying the same thing. You can be driven by the Spirit. And if you're driven by the Spirit, then you have the strength that that supernatural ability not to do the stuff of the flesh. Now, the stuff of the flesh is great for a little while. The problem with the stuff of the flesh is it comes back to haunt you. It comes back to bite you. There was a preacher in Memphis who used to say, um, we like sin and we're good at it. And I just thought that was so funny. It's true. We like it and we're actually good at it. And, And when you stop and think about this, the desires of the flesh are real. But here's a supernatural engine or transmission or catalyst that will help you. So let's talk about this for just a minute. So now he says, 
these two are in conflict. The flesh and the spirit are always in conflict. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, there's a different standard. If you're led by the spirit, there's something that will, and someone actually, that will help you supernaturally. So he talks about the acts of the sinful nature. We, we know the do nots. We could fill in the blanks, couldn't we? The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. See, they're, they're obvious. They're not hidden. They're not veiled. They're not clandestine. They're not under the radar. The acts of the sinful nature are what? They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now here's the problem with the flesh. The flesh disqualifies you for the kingdom of God. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a heavy price to pay for a little bit of a flesh gratification. That's a big price to pay. Big price to pay. But then he contrasts this with living life by the Spirit. And life by the Spirit has these perks. Love, joy, and peace. Now, how many people do you know walk in peace every day? How many people do you know actually conduct themselves joyfully? What he is saying is, no matter how difficult your business decisions are, no matter how challenging your health issues are, no matter how unruly or uncomfortable you are with some of your neighbors or family members, you have a supernatural deity living inside of you. And all the authors say the same thing. You can't be ordinary. You can't be ordinary. You are made in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. You can't be ordinary. The glory of God is never far from you. All of heaven is attracted to Christ in you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you've got all the heavenly hosts attracted. You can't be ordinary. There's no way you can be ordinary. You're so unique. And so what he's saying, and they all say the same thing. So I was at John Chestnut Park, December 31st, there writing a couple sermons and thoughts. And I came up with like 10 different sermon ideas, and I'm there all by myself. I got this giant alligator that I'm watching over there in the pond, and he and I have this love-hate relationship. Um, I love to stay away from him, and he hates me. So anyway, we, we watch each other. And I, I realized that all 10 of the sermons that I wanted to teach, none of them can be done without the Spirit. None of them can be accomplished without today's topic. You really can't operate in the power of, the Holy, of, God's, of God's life without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so he's saying that you can have this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control if you live by the power of the Holy Spirit. These things you can have. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now that's your part. Your part is to take your stuff back to him. Your part is to admit and to submit. Admit and to submit. I admit this and I submit to this. That's your part. 
You take it back to him and you let him, let him bury it. And he says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's talk about that for just a second. Keeping in step. You're taking a walk with somebody who walks too fast. That's uncomfortable. You're taking a walk with somebody who walks too slow. That drives you crazy, doesn't it? Drives you nuts. And so you're not in step. Or you're on a bicycle ride and they ride faster than you or they ride slower than you. Like, come on. It's not keeping in step. Several years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, I was out taking a jog early one morning. It was a cool, cold February morning. And I don't know to this day how I did this. But I came home all bloodied and banged up. And they thought I'd been to war or something, you know. And I got my right shoe in my left shoelace as I was jogging. I'm running down this road in Memphis, in Bartlett, Tennessee, and just having a good time, probably talking to myself, praying, singing, having a kumbaya moment. And the next thing I know, I am locked up. I don't recommend this. If you ever do this, you're going down. I lock up, I roll in the street three or four times, I am banged up, blood, skinned up, and I'll never forget this lady in this brand new Volvo just pulls. I'm, I'm in the street. I've rolled three times. I'm in the middle of the street, and I can see the grill on the Volvo. <laughs> and she rolls her window down, and she asks the dumbest question in the entire world. Are you okay? And I said, no. And she said, great. And she drove off. Drove off. God have pity on that woman's soul. She probably knew me and didn't like my preaching. That's all I can can, Just drove off. When you're not keeping in step, see, the perk is you get ahead of the Holy Spirit, you get behind the Holy Spirit, you don't keep in step with the Holy Spirit, you're missing out. You're missing what God has in store for your life. And what he has in store for you is to keep in step. You don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to craft and create and draft everything. The Holy Spirit is way ahead of you, and there's a cadence. You don't want to stay behind. You don't want to get ahead. You want to keep in step with the Spirit. And so, honestly, today, this may be one of the most important topics of your entire life, if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, this is a great Sunday for you to be here. Because you can kind of sit up there in the bleachers and watch this and realize that, yes, we really are crazy. Because we're going to depend upon the third member of the Trinity to guide and direct our lives. That is our story. That is the entire story, collectively, of the, the, the New Testament. Now... What's so cool about this new movement of God in the New Testament is that he talked about it 700 years before Jesus was ever born. He talked about this in the book of Ezekiel. He talked about this in the book of Isaiah. And so 700 years, both prophets say the exact same thing. I'm going to read you just one verse out of Ezekiel. But they were all predicting that the Spirit was coming. Here's what he says in Ezekiel. I will put... I will give them an undivided heart, and I will put a new spirit in them. 
And Jeremiah takes that and Jeremiah runs with it for an entire chapter. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's something new that God wants to place inside of you. And so when John the Baptist is on the scene and they're trying to figure out if John was the Messiah, they don't understand who he is. And he, he quickly deflected the glory back to Christ. So now we go to the, John the Baptist, New Testament. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent spies and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I'm not the guy. I'm not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Nope. Are you the prophet? Nope. I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one that you do not know. And then Matthew tells us this. John's, we get a little bit more of the conversation from Matthew. I baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist. For repentance. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And fire always came on a sacrifice. And when the sacrifice was accepted, there was fire. And the whole point was that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit now is going to come inside of you. Did I already say this? Yes. You can't be ordinary. Why? Because the glory of God is never far from you. Why? Because all of heaven is attracted to the Christ in you. And so you learn to stay in step. You learn to live and walk by the Spirit. And so John is telling us, John the Baptist, he's telling us that that it's coming. Now let's go back to the Gospel of John and get more of that conversation. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Now, this is the good stuff. Everybody who's a Christian has Jesus inside of them as the Holy Spirit. And so when God sees you, he sees his Son inside of you. Everybody has that. But everybody doesn't keep the dove on their shoulder. That's the tricky part. The tricky part, if you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if you want that, you must learn to live with the presence of the Holy Spirit on you. And that's different than the Holy Spirit in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you, but it's up to you whether to keep that skittish dove on your shoulder or not. It's up to you whether or not you will live By the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so is it possible to drive on US 19 and somebody cut you off and have that dove on your shoulder? Just tie the sucker down. Just put it right there on there, okay? Yes. Is it possible to have heated discussions in business and still have the dove? Yes. It's not only possible, it's his gift to you. And he wants to give you his presence in you, but his presence on you. Now, why? We're coming to that in just a minute. It's not about you. It's not about you. And he goes from visitation to habitation. In the old covenant, there was visitation. He would visit, 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 stay a little while, leave, stay a little while. He inhabits you. It's not visitation today. It's habitation. And there's a reason for that. And again, it's not about you. You weren't very emphatic about that, okay? You you weren't very excited about that. 
And you're sitting there going, well, I want that, but I don't know how. We'll come to that in about 10 more minutes, okay? So now we go to Jesus. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Paul in Galatians. Well, let's hear from Jesus himself. And Jesus has this conversation with the disciples when he's about to leave, about to go to the cross. And I don't think they had a clue what he was talking about. But you do, and we do, because we have the Spirit today. So Jesus says this, I have so much more to say to you. I have so much more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Haven't you known some things that nobody else knows? Haven't you inside of your spirit goes, I know that's going to work out all right. I know it's going to work out all right. Yeah, there's a desert. Yeah, there's a wilderness. Yeah, there's a tornado. But I know in my spirit. How do you know that? Let me ask you this question. Why would we ever be driven by fear? Why would we ever be driven by CNN or Fox News? Why would we ever be driven by politics? Why would we ever be driven by the news we hear around the world? Why wouldn't you be driven by the Spirit of God who lives inside of you? He will tell you what is yet to come. And when He tells you what is yet to come, you walk not as a coward. You walk as a courageous daughter. You walk as a courageous son because the Spirit of God will speak to you. I know it's a storm, but I will get you through this storm. I know it's a desert. But I will give you fresh water, fresh springs, living water that comes from me. Why would we be driven by our culture? Well, you can, but you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the greatest perk, the greatest ride of your life. And you've got one life, one chance to get this right. So you're going to be driven by culture, by people, by fear, by daddy issues, by mommy issues, by peer pressure, by fear, by anxiety, or you're going to be driven by the spirit of the living Christ who has come to dwell in you. You're going to be driven by regret, or you're going to be driven by hope and faith, which is always future, 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 future. And so Jesus says... He will glorify me because it is from me that you will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I haven't told you how to do this yet. I'm just telling you what's available. I haven't told you how to get it. I just want you to know what's available before we ever talk about how. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Do you wake up with anxiety every single day? Do you go to bed every night with angst and anxiety and you're just worried? You can do that. You can do it. Or (laughs) you can live by the Spirit. He says this, in this world you will have trouble. Duh. (laughs) But take heart because I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. I have overcome the world. My name is Jesus, and I am the sinless Savior, the Son of God, the most powerful God-man who ever walked the face of this earth, and I have overcome everything you will ever face, 
every challenge, every problem, every issue. I am Jesus, the son of the living God. He says really the same thing in chapter 14. He he gives them the same speech twice. They needed to hear it more than once like I do. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. You ever tried to have a, a spiritual conversation with somebody who has absolutely no interest in Christ or Christianity? I mean, you might as well talk to a brick wall. They don't get it. They, just, they, they, they are insensitive and cannot understand you. They will not see him nor know him. But you know him. Why? Because he lives in you. He lives in you. And you feel it. And you sense it. And you understand it. And you walk with the cadence. You keep in step with the spirit of the living God inside of you. I, I, I think this is incredible. That God put his temple inside of me and inside of you. You talk about trust. I'm not sure I would have trusted you with the temple of the Holy Spirit. Would you? Would you? That is amazing what he has done. He has entrusted the third member of the Godhead inside of you. Now, our, our task is to keep him on us. All right, let's keep going. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 begins to turn the corner. If this was a movie, the music just changed. Okay? This is now how. This is now, now we're in the fourth quarter here of the game. I know some of you are very interested in football this afternoon. My cult should be there, but we'll go on. We're going to go on. Um, So we're, we're coming now to the fourth quarter of how we do this. And John chapter 15 starts to tell us how. I'm the vine, my father's the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, what's the key word here so far? Fruit. Circle the word fruit, fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that will be what? More fruitful. All right, you got it. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So here's part of the how. We'll get real specific in just a minute. But i got to remain in him. If I want to walk in step with the Spirit, I've got to know what he's doing. I've got to remain in him. He's got to remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and, my, and, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, now, Danita and I have talked about this verse. We've been married almost 35 years. We've talked about this verse for at least 34 years. And most of the time, we've taken this verse out of context. What does this verse mean? And this past week, she said, "Um, I think I got it. I said, okay, what what do you get? And we're both trying to get ready to go and trying to get in a hurry. She said, no, I, I got this. She said, look at this context. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It's all in the context of bearing fruit. And it is God's will for you to bear fruit. It is God's will for you to love your neighbors. It is God's will, will for you to pray for your unchurched family members. It is God's will for you to be a servant. It is God's will for you to surrender. It is God's will for you to bear incredible fruit. This life never was to be designed about you. And when life is designed about you, you are the most miserable. And when you admit and you submit 
and you live for him and you walk by him and you keep in step with him, you're going to know what he wants you to do. I want you to go there. I want you to go there. I want you to back off from there. I want you to talk to her. I don't want you to talk to him. I want you to help them. I don't want you to do that now. I want you to do that. The spirit always tells you what to do. And so you ask whatever it is. So in other words, you catch the will of God for service. And then what's he going to do? This is my father's glory. You're going to bear a lot of fruit. And so we ask him. And that's why we're fasting. We're coming up with these incredible things that only God can do. And I, I, I think the point of a fast is, so if I fall off the stage, will you, will you catch me? You, you got me? Okay, you're big enough to catch me. Just break my fall, all right? So I, I think the point of the fast is kind of like, fasting is like, we're, we're leaning in. We're, we're, we're just leaning in. And with the fast, God just leans over. You, you, you're just, I'm serious. I want my mom to, to know Christ. God, I'm really serious about this health issue. I'm really serious about this job concern. I'm really concerned about my business. And you, you lean in during a fast, and he, he leans over. That's what he wants to do for you. And so this incredible story now just gets more amazing. Jesus is teaching them about the power of the Spirit and the role of the Spirit in all of our lives, and he goes to the cross, and he dies. He's crucified. They hang him on the cross for six hours. Six hours he's on the cross. The last three of the six hours, there's darkness covering the face of the earth. The disciples come and get his body. They take him off the cross, and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, a borrowed tomb. And on that Sunday morning early, the women are there with all these spices and they're trying to figure out how are we going to roll away the stone? How's the stone going to get moved away? And they get there and the stone has been rolled away and God has raised Jesus from the dead. And now Jesus is alive and that Sunday afternoon, he appears to a couple of these guys on the road to Emmaus. And then by Sunday night, he goes through locked doors in a room about seven of the disciples in the room, and he says, peace be unto you, peace be to you. And it's an incredible story that takes place. And and he tells them, do not do any ministry until the Spirit comes. That's really interesting. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my servants my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And, and, and so, so all of a sudden then on the day of Pentecost, now we fast forward a few weeks, 120 people are in an upper room. And if you slept in that morning to miss church, you missed the greatest church service of all times. It was the greatest church service in the history of mankind. And all of a sudden, 120 people are in this room worshiping God and the spirit just comes in and you can't miss it. He's just manifesting in that room. You can't miss it. And they go out of that room, and the city's filled with about a million Jewish people, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Asia, Phrygia, Rome. All these Jewish people have come in for this giant feast called Pentecost, and they hear all these 120 people, especially the disciples, just teaching in their languages. They're like, wow, this is unbelievable. And so here's Peter now who was a coward, who was underneath the table, probably, 
who was afraid of a middle school girl, couldn't even stand up to a middle school girl, but denied that he even knew Jesus. And here's Peter now going toe-to-toe with Annas and Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin who had just sentenced Jesus to die. And Peter's like, with the power of the Holy Spirit, bring it, bring it, big boys, bring it. And he tells them about Christ, and he tells them about Jesus. And the Jewish people realized that they had they'd killed the Messiah. And they said, what are we going to do? How can we make this right? And Peter said these words, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins can be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for all those who are far off. Those that are far off, that's us. That's us in this room today. And so he has now given the Spirit so they could do ministry. Jesus told them, don't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So let me fast forward now to John, the Apostle John. He's now an older man. He's in the latter years of his life. It's not the first stages of the movement. It's now like 50 years later. And here's what John writes in 1 John toward the very end of his life. The passion hasn't faded. The passion has actually been speeding up. Here's what he says. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. Talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And you do not need anyone to teach you. It's exactly what Jesus said 50 years ago in John 14 and John 16. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Okay, very quickly, how do we do that? How do you and I remain in him? Well, I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood up and he shouted to the crowds, all you thirsty ones, are you in a desert? Are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, you come to me. Now, that's what you have to do. You have to come to him. We come to him. We come to him. We come to him. This is why we talk about connect groups all the time. This is why we talk about discipleship all the time. This is why we talk about prayer all the time. This is why we talk about Bible reading all the time. You have to come to him. You come to him. Come to me and drink. And so this is your job every single day to drink from his well. Here's what he says. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst forth from within you. So the Spirit is inside of you, and there's like this fountain. There's like this river that wants to flow inside of you. But to do that, you've got to figure out how to come to Him. What works for you? Are you a journaler? Are you a worshiper? Are you a prayer? Are you in the Bible in your truck through Bluetooth? I don't know what works for you. You have to take that step. I cannot feed you. You have to feed yourself. This is like, like, you know, we're just up here like, like a great big bonfire, but you've got to put the, the spark inside of you. He says, come to me. That's your job. Every day. Now, you have to figure out how that works for you. I don't know how that works for you. I know how that works for me. I know what I, I call them spiritual push-ups. I have to do spiritual push-ups every single day. You will starve to death if you've not come to the well in the last seven days. You will die of thirst. You will never make it. You, you will never have the perk of living by the power of the Spirit if you've not come to the well in the last seven days. 
it's your perk. It's your privilege. The Messiah lives inside of you. Come to me. And rivers of living water are going to burst out from within you. And you felt that before. You know what that's like. You know that you know that you know when God's speaking to you. You know what that's like when God's speaking through, through to you. You know. You've been overwhelmed by the Spirit inside of you. And now it's time for you to remain on Him. And, and then the psalmist says exactly the same thing. Thousands of years before Jesus. The psalmist said, at each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Each and every sunrise, the psalmist is saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Now, sunrise works really well for most of you. Some of you work at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's not going to work for you. Maybe it's sunset for you. The time's not the important part, right? It's it's that you have a time and a place, a time and a place, a time and a place every single day. But sunrise should work best because that's how you start your day if if it can work for you. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. See, it's a sacrifice to pray. For you to pray and intercede, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of prayer for you to learn how to pray. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar. I'm laying it out. God, I'm worried about the kids. God, I'm worried about money. God, I'm worried about Trump. I don't care what you're worried about. God, I'm worried. Right? I'm just worried. You just lay out all the pieces on your altar. I come to you with a sacrifice of prayer. And I wait. I wait for your fire. And fire means he accepted the sacrifice. Fire is, the, is the, the consummation of your sacrifice. I wait for your fire to transform everything that I'm doing. I won't get ahead of you. I won't stay behind you. I will walk in step with your spirit. I'm waiting for your fire to burn the sacrifice. And then I just walk with you. I just walk with you. I, I think that's the easy part. The hard part is your sacrifice of prayer. The hard part is your admitting and submitting. The hard part is daily, 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 daily. But once you do that, you will taste something in your spiritual life. You won't have regrets. You won't come into this room on Sunday morning a little disjointed. You'll come into this room not discombobulated, but ready. Just ready. Ready to worship. Ready to be touched. Ready to grow. Ready to be transitioned. And so, this is where we started. We live by the Spirit. We're just going to keep in step with it. And so we're going to close this morning with a song that the team has written called Temple. I want you to sing this with all your heart because this is really what he wants to do in you and through you and among you. So why don't my brothers and my sisters come out. I'll help you with that. Come out and um, let's sing temple together. You want us to stand, John Mark? Would you guys stand with us and let's worship.